0: Welcome to the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Starr Robertson, Jesus Freak, Mom Blessed by Adoption, Wife, Wonderluster, and your Intentional Living and Biblical Mindset Coach. If you're here, you're likely a busy woman wearing multiple hats, the most important of which being child of God and mom simultaneously. You have a desire to live more intentionally, striving to be a good steward of all the gifts that God has given you. And you want more productively peaceful days. Well, you're in the right place, sister, because that is exactly what we do here. First, building on a foundation of faith with purposeful priorities while mastering our mindset and implementing simple self-care. So mama, grab your coffee or strap your kiddos in the car seat and let's jump into today's episode. Hello, sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Starr-Robertson, and today we are digging into part two of my if-gathering takeaways from these powerful speakers. And I am going to jump right into it with speaker Mina Whitlock. I think is her name. Um, And I loved how she had really touched base on this missional lifestyle. I think a lot of people, especially stay at home moms, especially a lot of the people who might listen to this podcast might be thinking, how do I disciple or be in mission in my lifestyle? And what does that currently look like for me? And so I'm pretty sure we're all familiar especially if you've been listening to the podcast for any extended period of time that we are all called to go and make disciples and this is the great commission from God but I want to encourage you that sometimes his go might mean stay it might mean being exactly where you're at. And I I talked deeper about this go, I think in one of my very first podcast episodes, um, where I got into the word study on that a little bit. So I encourage you to go back to listen to that um, if you would. But I also want to encourage you that um, one of the things she said was that, you know, when people are talking about what they're prioritizing or what they're doing in their life, that God is not the first thing on the list and shouldn't be the first thing on the list. You might be like, what? Stop the podcast now. I'm unsubscribing from everything. Sasha don't follow Mina. No, what she is saying that he is in everything. Like it shouldn't be God, then family, then home, then, you know, it should be family. And God is in that. How do I disciple my kids? How do I be an example of Christ in the church with my husband in my marriage and show that as an example to my family and to other people in marriage? How do I bring God into my health? I have a lot of friends that are coaches in like the health and wellness industry, but it's, it's on the foundation of God. And so it is all stemming from this God first God focused living, but because he is in everything. And so it was really powerful just to hear her say that, because I think a lot of people is like, no, and I've even said it before, like God needs to come first. Okay. But he doesn't, he doesn't just need to come first. He needs to come into everything. And she has said, it's not just in the quiet times in the morning, it's implementing what we're learning into everything that we're doing. And she had mentioned Tim Keller's definition of work. And I didn't get to take notes on that because it was just Gone over so quickly, but there were three different quotes that I've pulled from him in terms of work. And here are some of the things he said, If God's purpose for your job is that you serve the human community, then the way to serve God best is to do the job as well as it can be done. And that might not mean a whole lot right this very moment, but let me let me read these other ones. He says, A job is a vocation only if someone else calls you to do it.' for them rather than for yourself. And so our work can be a calling only if it is reimagined as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. Thinking of work mainly as a means for self-fulfillment and self-realization slowly crushes a person. And then this last quote that I want to talk about is where he says our daily work can be a calling only if it is re conceived as God's assignment to serve others. And she had talked about, you know, when she was a mom of little kids, somebody had said to her, wiping down the table is work that is pleasing to God. And sometimes people are like, whatever, you know, I'm like wiping down the kitchen table and it's just like, oh, I got to do this. No, that is work pleasing to God because it is you showing up for a greater calling than yourself in the service of others. We have to stop letting culture speak to that. Speak to what work is fulfilling or successful or joyful or pleasing. We have to stop disqualifying ourselves. We are called to work. We are called to do these things. And she gave this piece of encouragement that said, we are all responsible for a few, not for millions. And I think we can get so easily caught up in this idea that I'm not an influencer, I'm not famous or whatever else, and I just want to remind you, if you're a mom, you are an influencer. You have such great influence and impact on the lives of those in your very home around you they look up to and watch everything that you're doing and they want to model after that behavior that you are being an example of and they want to learn from you and strive to be like you and And same thing to your husband and same thing to your friends and the people in your local community. The way you're showing up in life has the power to influence others. And she also gave this piece of encouragement. People can get caught up in the fact that discipleship has to look like this or look like that. And if it's not this or that, then it's not discipleship. Mina had shared about this woman in her life that's had a really great impact on her life and reason being, she was one of the people that actually reached out to her and said, hey, let's go get a coffee and then followed up with her and just discipled her and walked alongside her and was in fellowship with her. And, you know, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the idea of like, she's busy. She probably has a lot of women in her life, like pouring into her um, and whatever else. But if God is pressing someone on your heart to go text that person to go message them and say, hey, let's go grab a coffee. And I can tell you, I instantly, like, right then made a list of a couple of ladies that I was thinking of. And then these same lies that she had mentioned came into my mind, like, immediately after. Like, oh, well, you know, she probably has a lot of people or, you know, she hasn't texted me back yet. So I'm sure she has a ton of people like discipling her and mentoring her in her life and whatever else. And like, we have to just stop and cut out those lies and, and push through them and be willing to do the uncomfortable thing of reaching out. Even if it's a no, even if they don't want to be in fellowship with you, even if they don't want to be discipled or mentored by you because they already have someone, Okay. Like it is what it is, but then the same thing, she didn't talk about this, but I'm going to flip the script and and say the same thing. Like if there is somebody that you look up to somebody who maybe has kids that are a little bit older than yours, maybe somebody for me, it's somebody who has multiple teenagers who, who love and serve and fear the Lord that I want to reach out to. And I want to say, Hey, would you mentor me? Would you be a disciple for me? And, um, And so again, pushing through, she's probably busy, you know, she has a bunch of kids and she's doing this. And so, yeah, the fact is we are all busy. This is the 21st century. This is 2022 that I am speaking this and releasing this podcast episode. We are all very busy, but, but the thing is, is we can't let ourselves forsake this calling from God and this requirement of fellowship and being in relationship with one another. And I feel like we can sometimes see, you know, specific people that are like heavily discipled and mentored and then other people over here who who are not. And we have to get ourselves out of this mentality both as mentors and mentees that we don't have the time we have to make the time because this is important this is why people are leaving the church this is why people are isolated this is why people feel alone this is why people get caught up in the lies of the enemy and i'll tell you too like i'm i'm i stand on this argument so much so that i really do believe it's a reason god called me into coaching that he said to me that day offer coaching because there are such a lack of relationships and fellowship and mentorship and discipleship in the church in America, that this is why coaching is blowing up. People are having to go out and find someone and pay someone to be their mentor and their disciple through coaching. And I even had to do this through counseling. Like I I was in a deep, dark pit of despair and I needed somewhere to look. I needed someone to talk to. I needed a friend. I needed somebody who cared about me outside of myself and my husband or somebody who cared for me outside of my, myself when my husband and I were on Rocky times and I didn't have discipleship. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody that I can turn to but I do believe even looking back, like it was God's hand over it all. I needed to go to counseling. I needed therapy. I needed to work through the PTSD that I had from childhood trauma. I needed to work through so many of these coping mechanisms and God showed up there and he led me to the coach that, or I'm sorry, to the, to the counselor that you guys heard on the podcast a few weeks ago, who literally transformed my life by working with her. And so it was meant to be, but since that day, I'm all about, I will go pay for the discipleship and mentorship that I need. I will go pay a coach to be the mirror of whatever is going on in my brain, to be the person that is going to help hold me accountable and all these other things to mentor me, to disciple me, to help me filter through the lies of the enemy and all the junk that I'm struggling with. And maybe even multiple coaches, maybe I have one for business and maybe I have one for personal, like maybe I have one for health. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm here to say that I firmly believe that anyways, ending up that rant, moving on. Sadie Robertson Huff was the next speaker and oh my goodness, that girl is fire. Okay. And one of the things that she started off saying, which had nothing to do with, with the message that she had prepared to come to speak was that God has been preparing you the whole way. Because she was talking about how she has been seeing this in her life too. And I remember reading like one of the first books, I think it maybe was even the first book that she had put out and, and, and published and it was when she was still quite young, but she had talked about like from the time she was very little, you know, she used to walk around talking about like, I just want to tell the world about Jesus and whatever else and the work that she is doing right now in the world and, and for her generation and the way that she is showing up and boldly standing on the truth of the Lord. It's just so incredibly powerful, but how she can look back and see, even when she was a young child, just all these parallels. And, um, and it really made me think about my life as well when she was talking about that, because, I don't even know why we had a Bible in our home. Like we weren't a believing family. We didn't go to church. We didn't pray. We didn't talk about God. Like we didn't read scripture together. Like there wasn't really an example of living with or for the Lord. There, you know, not a lot of righteousness in my home and family growing up. It wasn't until I was maybe like six or seven, I think, that we started going to the Mormon church and then stopped doing that. And, and that was a really weird, confusing time in my life as well. But my parents have told me the story multiple times about how I used to ask um, to read the Holly Bible. No, I want my Holly Bible. And that was, I was saying Holy Bible, but it was Holly Bibble. And and so it's just weird to me to think back on that, that I don't even remember you know, this time because I was so young, but there was a Bible in my home and and I was attracted to it. And just looking back and knowing that the Lord had his hand over me, over my life, obviously before I was even made, right? He fearfully and wonderfully knit me in my mother's womb. And this all applies to you too. And this is kind of the journey that I love to walk women through in the Life and Goals Planner is to look at and go back and look at your story and and what he's walked you through and all these different times that and all these different skills and traits and 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 gifts that he's given you that have made you who you are today, that God has been preparing you the whole time. For where you are right now, and even from where you are right now, he's going to continue to form and mold and prepare you and equip you and to weed out the nastiness and to refine you to what the next step is, what the next stage is, the next thing that you're going to do for his kingdom. And I just love that she like it was like two sentences that she had even just said at the beginning. But I am like, yes, I so believe this. And I believe this for you, too. I believe this, that even if you're a mom, you know, with one or two or three or four or five little toddlers at home, you know, five five and under, that that he has still been molding you your entire life for this very moment. And he is molding you right now for the next thing that he is going to have you step into and that you are a powerful force that can be his hands and feet and do amazing works in his kingdom, whether that is in your home or outside of your home. So believe it. But Sadie's message was talking about your truth versus God's truth. And oh my goodness, it was so powerful. I almost don't even want to summarize her message. I just want to direct you to go listen to it. And so um, I do want to say I have heard that the If Gathering videos will be up on Right Now Media. I don't think that they are right now, but will be. And if you do not have right now media, please reach out to me. I have a link that I can share with you. It's a totally free resource. It's kind of like um Netflix for your faith, I guess you could say. It's filled with um even my son loves this like monster truck show on there that like teaches, you know, good quality characteristics that you want your children to have and then shares a scripture verse at the end of every one, but there are like Bible studies and um wholesome shows and different stuff like that on there. So I have heard that the If Gathering videos will be on there. So if you want to watch them, go ahead. Sadie also has some clips on her Instagram of this talk. You could probably find it on YouTube. I don't know. You can go to the If Gathering website directly and like sign up for their whatever bonus thing where you can have access like on demand to all of the videos yourself. But when she talked about the difference between your truth and the truth, God's truth, like actual truth. Um, She shared that your truth seeks what's most comfortable in the moment, whereas Jesus makes people uncomfortable. She shared that your truth requires comfortability, but the truth requires change and submission and repentance and this is so funny to me because i just saw a tiktok the other day that talked about this where people are like oh the bible isn't even true it was just it was written it's just a collection of stories written by man and they're like then why does everything in the bible contradict like human nature and our sinful nature that wants us to be comfortable and wants us to stay stuck and wants us to not lay ourselves down not show up in humility and you know against the idea of arrogance and pride to give and serve others she mentioned James 8:32 and where it says know the truth and the truth will set you free because Jesus is truth he is the word he is the way he is the bread of life he is the living water he is the peace that surpasses understanding he is one in the trinity and so please, sisters, do not forget that. And the last thing I want to mention that Sadie had talked about was this idea of two truths in a lie. And she talked about the fact that if they are presented so close together, that the lie can very often be perceived as the truth. And she shared the story about being in Atlanta And going around and asking people two truths and a lie about Chick fil A. And so they presented these facts air quoting here Chick fil A is closed on Sundays. The A in Chick fil A stands for grade A meat, and they only serve born again chickens. And a girl actually believed that the grade A meat was the lie, that they served born again chickens. And it's just so easy, and I think the enemy does this and kind of lays lays this out for us multiple times, that he will get us to believe the lies by putting them so close to the truth or sandwiching it next to something that is the truth. He is the father of lies. And he's so good at getting us to believe the lies. And I had mentioned this earlier and talking about reaching out to somebody that I felt like the God pressed on my heart to mentor and disciple and to be in relationship and fellowship with. And just how quickly these facts about this person of, you know, who they're related to or the friendships that they might have or what they post on their Instagram might also mean that they don't want relationship with me or they don't want me to fellowship and disciple them, that they already have enough people in their life or enough women in their life or whatever else. And so it's just this kind of your truth, almost like opinion idea that this lie that the enemy plants next to these facts and, and creates this slippery slope of agreements in our minds. And so I just wanted to give you that to encourage you To bring that into awareness this week, when you are out and about with friends, with family, if God gives you pushes, if you receive that Holy Spirit push, and then you find yourself in this slippery slope of these two truths and a lie, and you start believing the lie as if it were truth, I just want to challenge you to like, check that, check those thoughts. What is actually true in this situation? And then move forward from what is truth. The next speaker was Jada Edwards, and I really loved her message as well. She had talked a lot about dwelling with him. And when I think about this, it's just like, man, you know, first thing, we can think about showing up and reading scripture and listening to sermons and and learning more and learning more and learning more. But remembering that those quiet moments with him are sometimes the most powerful when we can sit and pray, but then also be quiet, waiting to hear back from him waiting for him to move and push and push us to a different area of scripture or to push up push us to text that friend or to reach out to somebody or serve in a different capacity. She mentioned that there are so many truths that we believe that aren't even true and she went through this list and was like, "Did you know that you don't actually have to wait an hour after eating before you can swim? And did you know that, you know, all these different things that are are commonly accepted as true, but are they really? And I'm big into mindset coaching. I am bit, it's, it's incorporates um, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, but really digging into the fact that your thoughts and your beliefs, your perceptions have a great effect on your actions, which produce the outcomes and the results that you're seeing in life. And your thought Work is so incredibly powerful, but the fact that your beliefs are a choice, like all of us have chose to just like believe these things because somebody told us, because the world believes, because our mom said whatever else, but we just believe things that aren't even true all the time. And this is the importance of the mindset work. We have to continually challenge what our mind is set upon, what we are believing and the thoughts that we are allowing to creep into our heads. She had mentioned truth can only bring change if you accept it and allow it to do the change. You have to be willing to turn away from the lie and focus on the truth. One of the big things she talked about that really resonated with me was about information. And I really do believe that we are in this society that is just consumption based. It's all about consuming. We have so much information at our fingertips at any moment. You could go look at hundreds of different courses online that you can purchase. There's information everywhere. There's podcasts everywhere that you can listen to, but are you taking this information and using it or are you just consuming it? Information is available to you, but it's only relevant when you become desperate enough to use it. And she challenged that you need to ask yourself the question, do I really need more information? Or do I need to weed out the the misinformation that I'm continuing to believe or think or let influence my life and decisions? She said truth has to be applied for it to become wisdom. And I know that's going to be a challenge for some of you, but it also might set some of you free to get out of the fact that you need to consume more, that you're missing something, that you need some kind of more information. A lot of times, y'all, we do not need more information. We need to get rid of the information that's not true. And we need to apply and live in the wisdom or the truth that we have to convert it to wisdom. A big part of her message that she talked about was from Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And what a powerful verse that is. And she went deep on this. But the big thing she talked about is search me, try me, and lead me. Asking God to show you the way. She said, he sets the course and you choose to follow. And I just thought that was incredibly beautiful and incredibly powerful. She talked about the Bible has everything you need to know about God, not about you. And that spoke to me in two different ways. For one, the Bible's not about you. Yeah, there are a lot of examples that we can see in here of the characteristics and qualities of believers. I have a highlighting system in my Bible, and that is one of the colors. If there is something in pink in scripture, it's something that should be speaking about my characteristics and qualities or something I should be doing or something I should be praying as a child of God and as a believer. But there's so much more to me than what is in scripture, because scripture is about God. Scripture is about Christ. Scripture is about His power and what He has done, not about me. It's used to transform me and to correct me and to rebuke me and, and to lead me. But we have to be willing to be in relationship with Him too. We have to take that to prayer and take that to quiet time with Him. To sit and do assessments with Him. To allow Him to search me and try me. To refine me and to weed out that ickiness in me. And I will say, I'm, I've just already these last couple of days been meditating on this whole chapter uh, of, um, Saul of Psalm 139. And I think it's, it's going to grow bigger for me. I think there's going to be something more about this, whether it's a whole podcast episode or, or, um, a teaching, a masterclass, something challenge. We'll see where God leads that. But just remembering that it's about him and for his glory, because it is his power and it is by his grace and his love that we have or do anything. And the next speaker was the visionary, Jenny Allen, who talked about a couple of different things. But the big idea was community and friendship and she pointed out this in Genesis 1, 26. You know, God said, it's, it's not good for man to be alone. And he made him a helper, right? That's us. That's the Eve, the woman from his rib. And he said, let us make man, build man in our likeness. And I had never noticed that before. And so I opened up my word myself, you know, because I, I always want to test, right? I don't just want to hear a sermon of what somebody says and be like, okay, yeah, he said us an hour. I opened up my word and sure enough, ESV, let us make man, build man in our image, in our likeness. And I was just like, wow, right there, the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in relationship three and one, they were not alone. And she had encouraged us similar to one of the things we just talked about was to think about the five people that have had the most impact who have changed your life the most. And then answer the question, are they famous? Are they influencers? Or are they people who are close to you and more intimate? And I thought, wow, I just like quickly made my list, you know, and and I've I've already mentioned um, Ellie, one of my old counselors and therapists, my husband, incredibly, and he has changed my life probably more than anyone else. And um, my aunt, who's also a counselor, she's been on the podcast too. She's the one who forced me to go to counseling when I was in this deep, dark pit of despair. But the fourth one, that's my son. He's only been here on this earth for two and a half years. And he has changed my life more than most people in the world. And he doesn't even know things. Like he just learned how to pee in the toilet. (laughs) You know, he's not famous. He's not some major influencer. And he has changed my life more than most people in it. And the other person I wrote down is Jesus. And then I started getting in this debate in my head, like, is he really a person? I mean, I know he was a man. He came here. He lived. But I mean, he definitely was God in the flesh. So, um, but yeah, definitely Jesus. Those are my top five people. But I just want to encourage you to also make that list and be reminded that it's not the influencers. It's not the famous people. It's not the people with, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of followers that have the greatest impact on lives. It's the ones right next to us. It's the ones closest to us and most intimate with us. And she started talking about like the idea of the village, right? Villages and how in modern days, like we don't even know our neighbors. And it's so easy for us to quit on people because we don't know them intimately and we don't have to like stick with them, but about how even still a large part of the world and for most of, of history, people were sitting around a campfire. And would have conversations and only exist in this small, you know, physical radius that they couldn't just get up and leave and quit on people. And it's very true that the people closest to us are the ones that are going to be the most hurtful to us. My husband and I have the closest, most intimate relationship where we love each other so well, but we've also hurt each other worse than almost anyone else in the world. Because we're that close, because we allow each other to be, because we're so intimately and closely related. But it's also in those situations that we're able to grow through and to become better people on account of it. And so a lot of it, she talked about the community, right? She talked about how a lot of us are lonely, so incredibly lonely. But the fact is a lot of us are saying no to community. And she said, stop saying no to community, whether one, you're not going out and asking for it, which we talked about earlier in this discipleship and mentorship, but also you're not accepting the invitation. I know that there are a lot of people in my generation and the millennial generation who've walked away from the church because they go to the church, expecting it to do something for them, expecting the other people there to be something for them. And I think that's a huge gap that I've noticed is that you can create it and invite others in. You can accept the invitation. I mean, most churches have a bulletin board or, um, you know, a, a brochure that they give out to you or or lists and stuff up on their website in their church that talks about all the different fellowship opportunities that they are. And, and people are just choosing not to show up for it online. There are Facebook groups and communities galore. And I'll tell you, COVID was like so good for this, right? That it it created and fostered all of these online communities. I have made so many friends on the internet that I have never even saw face to face, that I've never even like touched physically, like been able to like wrap my arms around them and give them a hug but they are my sisters in Christ. And I can't wait for the day that I get to do that because I love them so intimately. And many of them are in the Intentional Abundance community, in the Productively Peaceful Moms Club that I talk about a lot that I am inviting you into. If you are a listener on here, you are not just invited. You are wanted to be a part of that community. And a couple of things she talked about In these, like, five practices that villages have done. Number one is proximity. So, do not neglect the meeting together. This is in scripture, too. I was just reading it earlier today. Um, Sorry, I can't give you a quote reference right now, but um, do not forsake like meeting together in congregation. Find a local church in your community. I just learned recently, I think our local community has like 60 churches. That's insane. Like, you can't tell me you live in my local community and can't find a church to plug into. If you're using that, it's an excuse. It is a lie from the enemy. And you're just not willing to do the work to look around for it. And I bet there are a lot of communities, local, like, in the world, in America, that are that are very similar. If you're in a rural area, you know, maybe you have to drive a little ways to go to church. It's worth it. I know people who live, like... 40 miles away from the church that they attend here in Alaska. They literally drive by, I I kid you not, well over 100 churches to get to the church that they have found community and connection with. And it is worth it to them because of where they fellowship. So that might not be such close proximity. Okay. The second part, vulnerability. It's required to be in fellowship and community. You have to be vulnerable. Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability. Accountability is huge. Like we have to be able to hold each other accountable. Shared mission or purpose is number four. We have to have things in common, right? And if you're a believer, if you're part of the kingdom, you've got a shared mission and a shared purpose. Number five is consistency. Not quitting on each other. And I want to encourage you to join us in the Intentional Abundance community because we have all of these things. We might not have proximity in terms of we live in the same community, but we have this shared proximity in this safe space online. And the women in there are vulnerable. We have accountability and consistency posted up and encourage each other in that. We encourage each other in prayer and in scripture and in righteousness and in good stewardship. And we have a shared mission and a shared purpose. To be productively peaceful moms. To be the best moms that we can be. To be good stewards of everything that God has given us. And so please, sisters, if you are lacking in community, one, you're welcome and invited to join us there. Online. But also I urge you to find a local church. To say yes to that invitation for a small group fellowship. To meet the moms in the park. To go. And connect because you are wanted. And the last speaker that I want to talk about today is Jackie Hill Perry. I'd never heard of her before, but I really loved a lot of the stuff that she had talked about. And she gave us Tim Keller's definition of idolatry. And it says, anything more important than God, anything that seeks your imagination and attention over God. She said, it's anything taking functional trust over God. We can't depend on anything but God. Just a reminder, sisters, we have to trust God to be the thing that we need. Whatever you're trusting for your identity or your peace is a good indication that it is an idol. You see, God doesn't need anything. He is completely sufficient in and of himself. He doesn't need you. He wants you. In God, there is no lack. And I love that she had pointed out, too, that even time is a creature that is obedient to God because he is outside of it. He created the day and the night, the very thing that we place our time on. He created the seasons, the very thing that we base our time on. And she encouraged us that it is not wrong nor sinful to be needy. You see, God doesn't need us, but we were made to need God. We were made to be in relationship with him, that he is aware of of our neediness and he wants to meet it. That neediness becomes wrong or sinful only when we sin against God to have those needs met. And that was just such a powerful message to me. She shared a passage from Exodus 32 where Moses was up on the mountain God was literally writing the Ten Commandments in the tablets with his very finger. And the Israelites down below said, well, we don't know what happened to Moses. So let's just go ahead and, and, you know, make these um, idols out of, you know, all your gold earrings and bracelets and um, made this golden calf. And then they're like, oh, this is our God that brought us out of Egypt. This, like, thing that they just created that can be broken, you know, that, like, it's just, it's just insane to think about, right? But I think we're all so guilty of placing all of these fleeting things and people above God. And she said, truly, it was their impatience in waiting on Moses that made the idol. That caused them to create the idol. And so I just want to encourage you guys in that um, not to be impatient, that God's timing is always perfect. And to me, this was another big conviction is for me to look at, okay, what am I making an idol in my life? What am I putting any functional trust in over God or who? What am I? like seeking with my imagination and my attention more than God. And even just going to this conference and being in God's word, like digging deep into all this stuff after I've left, I'm just like, man, God is so good. His word is so good. Why would I ever not want to seek that first and foremost in my life? But then I do. I do put other things above him. I do sometimes... More than I'd like to admit, look at my phone before going to the word of God. Some days I might not even open it. I'm thankful that I have an app that delivers the word of the day, verse of the day, to my phone. So even on the days when when I'm not up to par, I'm getting that. But most days, that's not enough. I need him above everything else. So I just want to encourage you to remember the importance of that. And and to remember what I had mentioned earlier too is that he is not first; he is in everything. And those sisters are my big takeaways from the If Gathering 2022. Again, I strongly encourage you pop on over to Right Now Media if you need access to that. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I think I've actually already shared the code in the Intentional Abundance community, so join us over there. If you are desiring accountability and coaching, and you want to live on faithful foundations with purposeful priorities and mastering your mindset and implementing simple self-care, please reach out. Let's have a consult. Let's see if you would be a good fit for the I Am Coaching program. And don't forget, sisters, This Saturday, April 2nd, we're having the Simple Biblical Self-Care Masterclass, and you are going to see some great results coming out of that. I'll see you there. God bless.